Hello again and welcome to another edition of Mastermind Minutes. My name is Gary Occhigrosso and I'm the managing partner with Franchise Growth Solutions. For those of you who are new to Mastermind Minutes, this is the program where we have one expert, one question, and one answer. We do it in minutes, not hours. Uh, we realize that it might be a bit of a tease, so at the end of the program, we will definitely post uh, the information on how to get in touch with uh, our guest in case you'd like to have a broader conversation with, uh, with the guest and, and speak with them directly. And today, we've got a returning guest, uh, Warren Cook, who is the president and co-founder of Symbionts IR, which uh, he, oh, HR, I'm sorry. Um, he's a human resources subject uh, matter expert with over 25 years of experience as a strategic human resources business partner, project manager, people leader across private and public sector organizations. And you may remember that from the first time that, that he was on, but he's also the author uh, of Applicant Interview Preparation, Practical Coaching for Today, which he'll tell us about before we actually get into the question. So Warren, welcome back. Um, you you are, I think, only this, the second or third returning guest. So uh, we've got, we kind of got a little sign-in board that, that we use for that. Um, <laughs> and tell us what's been going on the last few months uh, with you, and then we'll, we'll get into the question. Yeah, so uh, we are uh, working with clients that are certainly facing uh, the COVID challenges uh, today. So in addition to the normal HR activities that they're engaged in and that they're trying to overcome that we talked about uh, in the past, uh, they're really now facing re-engagement, right, and, and adding staff and growing and getting back to where they need to be and, and coming up with new ways to do that. So uh, we've been really uh, working diligently with our, our clients and in the industry uh, to come up with really good sound strategies to do this effectively. And uh, which is what prompted me to say, you know, let's do a follow up to our prior COVID conversation about getting back in the workplace. Now that we know that not everybody's able to get back in the workplace or they're doing things differently, why don't we talk about how do we, how do we move forward with getting those people on board or doing it effectively in the new, in the new normal, right? With, that everybody wants to talk about. That, that's right, point. right. And, and I'll, I'll let, I'll let the, the phrase new normal slide by because yeah. listeners are tired of hearing me say, right. I, don't, I don't accept any new normals. I, I, because to me, everything is temporary anyway. Every, right. day is, every day is new. So then let's, let's get into the question and, and kind of the discussion here because look, it's challenging times. I think everyone is aware of that. No one will, will say that the times aren't challenging. To what degree they may be a challenge is is certainly different for everyone um but organizations now are needing to fill positions um either bringing people back or new hires which i think is really what we want to focus on uh and given the situation there are some some strategies that can benefit uh employers uh and employees as they look to enter back into the workforce and some of the things, uh, for example, like you know the, the the virtual hiring practice, which when we talked earlier before the program started, I had never heard that term before, so I'll need you to explain part of that. Uh, and then you know what are some of the strategies uh, that that you feel businesses need to accomplish uh, their hiring successfully during the tough times? So we need people. Uh, people are looking for jobs in a different way. Employers are interviewing in a different way. And you've got some strategies to help navigate us through that. So 
Have yeah. at it, my friend. Absolutely. No, so thank you. It's a pleasure being on the show again. So I really, I, I focus on probably a, a top five, right? Keep it to five things. Look at your hand and you go, there's five things we'll talk about. So now organizations are realizing we need to bring people back or we just need to hire new staff, new employees. We need to add to our workforce. Um, a lot of times because they've come up with new ways or new strategies, new services, or maybe they've launched new verticals. I have, I had one client that was in one space uh, with a program and a technology. And when COVID hit, they actually changed gears, redesigned the entire technology for an, a new service. But that also then required a new skill set and new people to support that. So how are they going to go and, and do that hiring? So I'd say the, the, the first, first thing you want to do is you want to look at your job descriptions because a lot of organizations are now working remotely and there are aspects or pieces of a job or a role that may be new since they're working remotely and more importantly that may no longer be part of the job. Uh, a simple example, Gary, is organizations that maybe had a lot of business development or sales activities that now someone's working remote. There might be four or five things in that job description that aren't applicable anymore. Traveling, attending networking events, doing things in person or commuting, right? Those types of things may not be applicable or practical. And so if the job description doesn't have a means or a way to uh, address that and be clear, uh, there might be mi mixed expectations in that position, right? So it's really important for organizations before they get even to posting this job to kind of going, is this the role today? Is this the skill sets? Even something as simple as thinking about, did I previously highlight the fact that someone needs to be good with a technology to do Zoom meetings, to do Teams on Microsoft, use Slack, or whatever your project management tools are, you're going to need people that have familiarity or at least are comfortable with it. So first step of the whole strategic talent acquisition in this world now is to look at the job description and the role and to make sure you've covered everything based on the changes, right? And things are changing. The second thing is now you, when you're posting that job, right, the posting in the interview process. So when you're thinking about posting the job, a lot of the job boards today are, have gotten wise to this and are helpful in indicating whether the job is remote or not. Because normally you'd say, if I'm in New York, I'm posting the job in New York and the applicant pool, people who are in New Jersey and, and, and PA, maybe they apply, but someone in Ohio or Dakota is not going to apply to that job because of the, the location. You want to be able to emphasize if it's going to be remote, you might want to recognize that remote could be anywhere unless the intention is temporarily remote. If you're going to go fully remote, you've just widened your applicant pool, but in your job posting, you're going to want to emphasize that you're going to want to make sure you highlight this position is remote permanently remote. And I don't like ever using the word permanent. Like you mentioned earlier, nothing's permanent, but you don't want to say that it's only during COVID. You want to say that this, the intent of the role is to remain remote ongoing. And it could require visits to the site or, you know, a meeting here and there, but you do want to make sure that you're educating the audience, which in fact expands your applicant pool. So if you were searching locally and you had trouble in the past finding a certain skill set, this is going to actually open up the market for you to find and attract more qualified candidates of a diverse background, right? Hit all the DNI initiatives that are out there today, but you're going to be able to have a much wider pool because you're open to being anywhere in the U.S. So those are the first two things, the job description, the posting. Can I just, can, can I yeah. just jump in for a minute? Because yeah. the, there's a lot there. And, and mm -hmm. I, I certainly understand the job description piece because I've seen, um, I think as I've, I've, as I've told folks, you know, my office environment uh, has always been sort of remote from my clients because I'm visiting my clients. 
Uh, whereas my wife, for example, um, you know, her office is in the room formerly known as our kitchen. And um, when her company went remote way back in the beginning of, of, of March, there were a lot of things that were associated with her job now in terms of, you mentioned Zoom meetings and getting information. You know, you, she couldn't just get up from her desk and walk down the hall and speak with someone. Right. She had to be... Um, she had to be initiated into the specific technologies that were going to allow her to do her job. So I hear you certainly on that. With respect to the second point, I think it's important as to what might be permanently remote. And I, again, I, I hear the word permanent. Um, the upside to that, as you mentioned, is the fact that <laughs> the universe of applicants right. is, is broadened like dramatically. Um, whereas, uh, if somebody had to travel into New York city where I am, well, you're not, unless someone is going to relocate from California, um, they're, they're not really on the table, but now it's a completely different world. So, um, and I know you'll tell us about some of those strategies there. I just, I just wanted to comment on those two things because yeah. when you mentioned them, when you were talking about them, I thought, yeah, you know, here's my, my real world impression because I see what my wife had to deal with. And then, yeah, wow, here's the opportunity. Crappy circumstances, got it. Yep. But opportunity nonetheless that, wow, I can now pick up a great team member from 2,000 miles away. Right. So anyway, you started to say about number yeah. three. Yeah, but you, you raised some great points. Yeah. I'll, I'll continue on two of those. So, so one, the practical side of that is um, – you have to do things differently, but you have to think about that when you're interviewing. You have to think about that with your existing workforce. You have to think about that the role. Before, someone could walk down the hallway and have a collaborative meeting. Someone could go to the printer, print something out. Someone could go to the filing cabinet down the office if they remember something. Today, you need that same employee to know how to access the server, how to keep the data secure, how to watch for data security and phishing scams and all those other things that are socially engineered that in the office, you always felt more protected because the company's firewalls and everything else were there. Now you're working in your home. And even though you may be on their networks, you're still a target individually and you have to create that sense of security. On the flip, as an applicant, I digress a second, but you need to make sure you're helping the employer understand that you're capable of working in a home office, right? I mean, right, your spouse was able to do it. Not everybody makes that transition. And, and what I'll highlight when I talk about this training is that which is the third point is, you know, you have to make sure that employees are capable of still being effective remotely, right? I've worked with a lot of clients, law firms, most particularly, actually, where there was a, a, a partners were like, we are never going remote. Our employees can't work from home. You know, they have to be in the office to put in all their billable hours. COVID hit. They didn't have a choice. And now what they found and other organizations is they're working more efficiently, more effectively, more profitably. So that's the other piece here. When you're, when you're looking at posting jobs and interviewing and, and the wider applicant pool, think about how much somebody in Iowa or Idaho costs versus someone in New York City. The compensation may even be more reasonable. The expectations of, I don't have a commute. I don't have to hop on a train. I don't have to drive. I don't have gas. I don't have... So there's a lot of things where you can remarket the value of the role and think differently about how you compensate that person. Maybe it's setting up their whole home office for them. Maybe there's other benefits and perks that help their family right now 
that weren't necessary when it was just driving into wherever they're going. So there's a lot of things to consider in, in that whole uh, process. And, 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 and to that point, I just want to, I just want to add again, because I mean, I, I have this perfect almost, uh, my wife will kill me if I say this, but I will anyway. It's kind of like, you know, I'm watching her in this fishbowl, so to speak. But it's interesting. So the two things that you just mentioned, uh, first and foremost, um, I don't know that the actual number of hours that she's working has increased. I suspect it has. Um, but the, the range of where those hours fall in have changed dramatically. So... Um, using her as an example, she would be in her office usually by 7.45, 8 o'clock tops maximum, 8 a.m., and leave her office at 4.30. And that was, that was her dedicated work time. Right. Well, now, if she's up early, she'll be returning emails at 6.30 a.m., right. and she'll be returning emails or talking to folks in a different part of the world or a different part of the country at 6 o'clock in the evening. Yeah. Does it mean she's working 12 hours a day? No, I think she's working more hours. But the interesting thing is, to her joy, I'm not sure it was so joyful in the beginning, but to her joy, if she needs to stop for 15 or 20 minutes in the middle of the day to do something that she has to do, let's say maybe it would have been an errand that she would have run after work, she right. can do that at a downtime right. during the day. So all of her time that she's working is productive time, like right. every minute of it. Um, and I think that that's, that's incredible for employers. Yep. The other thing that I think has been the, the pill to swallow, so to speak, is, and I'm sure you'll talk about this a little bit more later on, but you know, it's, it's how, um, how change is absorbed. So what do I mean by that? You know, in, in, the, in the restaurant world here in New York City, there was this whole big um, argument, depending what side of the fence you were on, should we have a, a $15 an hour minimum wage? I'm going to use this just as the, as, the, as the example. And basically, when they rolled it in, they didn't go from $8 an hour to $15 an hour, like in one year. It, it kind of went, like, if I recall, it was like 8, 10, 11, 13, 15. Right. It was absorbed. However, the technology that we're using today in the workplace, I believe pre-COVID, was going through that evolution of absorption. People were learning how to use Zoom and people were learning how to work remotely. And it was happening in the normal kind of course of life. Slow adoption, right? A slow adoption. Yeah. Slow adoption. March 23rd, March 15th, whatever oh. the date was, we flipped the switch and everything that we should have been learning over the next three to five years, let's say, happened in three to five months. Right. So I'm curious your thoughts on the impact of that, because not everyone is that adept at accepting and absorbing the technology. Right. No, it's a great point, and you're spot on. And, and that's where, where the interview process um, comes into this, is this other strategic approach you must consider and take. You're no longer interviewing in person. And, and the other piece is people could be recording the interview, even if they don't have control of the Zoom and they do something to record it on their end. Your risk and your exposure is one thing that's heightened, in my opinion. Um, but just teaching and training people on how to effectively engage in a Zoom meeting or any other 
web technology, a WebEx, a Teams, wherever, however, a, a Google Hangout, however you are interviewing people now, it's very different. Even just to get someone, so candidates aren't comfortable to begin with, right? To get them to realize that where do I look to make my eye contact? Am I, am I looking at you picture? Am I looking at the camera? Oh my God, I have notes. Just getting comfortable having a hiring manager understand how to engage that person, how to read their body language, what not to worry about. What Don't get upset that the daughter walked in to ask a question because they're home for school, right? That's not a bad thing. Um, recognizing that they don't have to have behind their head, they don't have to have 40 books on the top top 100 reading list, right? Like you can't, you shouldn't be judging them on all those other things. How do you focus? So teaching your um, hiring managers and your people leaders and your interview team effective ways to do it. And you should most certainly have mock interviews. You should have all of your folks go through mock interviews where they're interviewing each other or having your HR or someone come in and help them learn how to conduct a very effective interview. You also get comfortable when you're interviewing of just talking and talking and talking like you, you just keep, and you may not even get to your questions or you may not be as good at listening or how do you control it differently when you're on video. If you're in a face-to-face -face meeting and things aren't going well, you kind of give each other a little nod, right? And then you end it and you leave. It's a little harder when they're looking at you on screen and you, you can't really give the wink wink. If you start chatting, they see you typing. So you do want to take an effective approach of just defining what that interview process is going to look like, defining who should be involved at what stages, and then train your managers to conduct those interviews really effectively. So when I talk about training, Gary, I'm, I'm talking about two things. One, you need to train them on just how to conduct the interview, right? You already have questions or whatnot. You should already have the basic HR, which I'm not going to cover here, but you should be then walking them through how should you intro the person? How much time should you give them to make sure their technology is working? How do you politely remind them they're on mute? Or how do you politely remind them they didn't turn their video on and it's a video interview? Whatever those things are. And then training your managers on how to make sure that they're, they're getting through and closing that interview effectively without turning it into a two-hour conversation because the person just starts, you know, yakking. That, to me, that's really, really critical to understand what that is. The other piece is just the panel. Now with the technology, you could have four or five, six people in an interview to maximize time, but you'd still have that same intimidation factor. Too many people on the call at once, what levels they're on. So I encourage employers to make sure that they still consider that impact, that have two or three people at the most on a panel. Make sure everyone's name is there. Don't have something crazy as the name of the person, right? Make sure that they know who they are, who they're speaking to. When you're on these video interviews, there's more and more people out there that are still nervous and scared about who am I really talking to? Am I talking to the right people? Have some type of logo on your shirt, a banner or background, something to reinforce that you are with that company, right? That you are that employer um, and, and, and focus on that. So that training piece from a compliance perspective and an effectiveness perspective is really key because we all have these unconscious biases. And that will come in very quickly when you're doing a video interview, right? When you're looking at the person and you're hearing how they engage and people, I think the other thing, and, and this came up a lot, even pre COVID uh, Gary, you know, if someone had been with an organization 25 years and never interviewed, when they finally interview with you, they're terrible interviewers, right? They haven't had an interview. Maybe they're a director, manager, VP. They've grown their career through progression and not interviewed. So there's, off the bat, poor resume writers and poor interviewers because that's not what they do for a living. 
it even gets more complicated, the nervousness of sitting in front of somebody on a video when you need to get a job in this critical time and being comfortable presenting. So another tip in this interview process is get that person comfortable. Don't come across intimidating and attacking. Let them know this is a conversation. Take notes if you need to, refer to your notes, but make sure they feel very comfortable and that those folks are trained. So I'll pause there because you probably have some thoughts and questions there, but the training of how to do it is important. Yeah, I, and, I, and I agree. I, I have, first of all, I'm a terrible interviewee um, because I haven't gone on a job interview since my hair wasn't gray, okay? So a long time ago. Um, so I get that for sure. And I guess that that would be uh, an increased stress factor now that if it's a virtual interview or done in some technology, I guess my, my question around that um, is that older people in general, older people are, are less accustomed to using technology. They're kind of got their kind of old school ways. And that doesn't mean that they, they can't change. I'm simply saying that they are less familiar with the technologies, how do you feel or what do you believe uh, is the impact on older folks who are interviewing in, in, a, in a technology format that younger people might be perfectly comfortable with? And what tips would you give someone who is older who has never interviewed virtually? So first and foremost, you're, you're right. They're already uncomfortable. And this could be anybody that's the non-millennial, the non-Gen Z type of generation where they aren't used to coming into the workforce already using team collaboration tools and project management tools. And, you know, they've already seen five of them and three were in school. And I mean, just it's not it's not what they're accustomed to. And so the biggest advice I've had to all the folks I've coached, and, and I've even coached a, a number of uh, transitioning military veterans who weren't really comfortable with the, the virtual either, um, is practice, practice with family members, practice with peers, have someone ask you questions and get on there, not questions that you've written, just have them, you know, even give them some job description and say, let's get on a Zoom call and ask me questions. And I, I recommend that they record that themselves. So they trigger the Zoom meeting or whatever it is, record it and watch themselves because they will probably be their biggest critic. I mean, other people, you know, people in my experience and all, I'm, I'm used to coaching people interviewing, but if others don't know how to give that coaching, they should watch it themselves and see, are they up like this on an interview, right? Are they too far away? Did they not have their light on? Did they have something in the background that was distracting? Um, did they not speak loud enough or did they speak too fast? Like really practice because all of their good responses will go to naught if they can't articulate and communicate it in this medium. Mm -hmm. So even if they have all the right answers, if they're speaking over here or they don't have their camera on or they're down like this, right? It, they're just immediately going to disrupt the, the, the interviewer feeling like they're the right fit. Okay. Even though none of those things should be considered, right? It should be their qualifications, but we're real. We're human. We have these flaws. We have these biases. And if I'm interviewing 10 people on video and three of them couldn't even get their camera working properly, I'm not even going to move forward with them mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it just, they it showed, it would make me think, well, how are they going to do a team meeting? How are they going to collaborate? How are they going to turn in a report? How are they going to make a presentation? So it really is, this interview for an applicant is critical because in the past, if you did a virtual interview, pre-COVID, pre-remote workforce, 
it was one of these new fancy things of we're going to interview you by video. Woo, right? The, now I'm looking at that HR or the hiring manager. I'm looking for skill sets. Can you, if you tell me you're a manager of remote teams, you better show me you know how to use a remote tool. You better show me that you can communicate effectively, keep me engaged. You, can you share documents? Can you show me things? Like show you can use it. So it's actually gotten, in my opinion, for those who are less comfortable and experienced, the generations we're talking about, the more mature workers, um, it's even more challenging for them to be successful in an interview, which is why at the end of the day, if they don't practice in some way, shape or form, I think they're gonna really put themselves at a disadvantage. So, and I hear you and I agree 100%, um, but let's now, now, and I know you have some other things to cover before we get to that, let's just kinda, uh, now, let's, now let's flip that topic to the other side of the desk. Yeah, uh, I'm the interviewer, and and I've interviewed hundreds of people in 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 my lifetime. And as a you know, I, I had taken some training, proper interview skills, and things of this nature. And one of the things that I always needed to work on, and we're all a work in progress, was that <clears throat> just my very nature, just how I am, who I am, my DNA is. I sit up aggressively, I'm leaning forward, I take copious notes, um, I ask questions in a bold, aggressive manner. Well, what I learned is, in an interview, that's not necessarily the right message energy to put out there because, not, not necessarily to be inauthentic, but the person is nervous and if you're sitting there taking notes on every word they say, the person's, you know, nervous to begin with and now they see that and it becomes you know an inquisition so i've learned not to do that in a, in a live interview what things should people who are on the other side of the equation on the hiring side what should they be aware of on their end what are they projecting to the person that they're interviewing and, and what modifications if any should they be making right no great question and i think it's spot on so um First and foremost, you mentioned one thing there about, you know, being genuine, right? And being authentic. You want to show that authenticity. You want to show engaged. Now, taking notes is one thing, but if I'm doing this during the interview and I'm, I'm checking other things and I'm looking away, <laughs> um, the candidate, even if you end up liking the candidate, the candidate may feel like this isn't the type of people they want to work with. So right off the bat, you could be sending really poor vibes. Here's a strategy that I recommend that I do with all our clients. And this is the same strategy I used in person that works really effectively in a virtual setting because the whole goal of this strategy is to make both the candidate and the interviewer comfortable, relaxed, and to get the best out of both. I, want, I don't want to trick. I don't want to mislead. I don't want to uh, do anything to the applicant other than get the best answers out of them. I want them to give me their best because if they give me their best and they're not the fit, fine but I still gave them that opportunity. As an employer, I wanna be an ambassador of the company. I wanna be able to answer certain questions. I wanna proactively give them information about the role and position. And finally, I want them comfortable with the interview. So what I do is I have an agenda that I use at the beginning of every interview because two reasons. One, it's strategic to accomplish what I just shared. Two, I've slipped this in with companies for the last two decades because it increases compliance or, or risk management. A lot of people will get on a call and they're nervous, the candidate's nervous, and the chit chat starts, right? How's this? How was your weekend? How was the game? Did you see the football? 
And I've literally had cases in the past where those turned into uh, uh, lawsuits, those turned into failure to hires on religion, all, all kinds of problems. So the best way to avoid all that is to engage in, a, in an agenda off the bat, which helps the candidate. And what I do is as soon as they're on, I say, listen, why, and I literally say this, while I, you are getting your audio and video set up, while you fidget in your chair, make sure you have water available. As you're getting comfortable, I'm going to take the first two or three minutes and I'm going to tell you the agenda of our call and what you can expect. It's amazing how comfortable people get when they know what's coming, right? That you suddenly, but also that adrenaline and everything and the nervousness can kind of calm down. So I basically say, I'm going to introduce the interview panel to you. Everybody's going to briefly introduce themselves to you. I'm going to have the hiring manager present the role to you. And I joke with them. I'll say, you've probably read the posting. You've looked at the job description. We've had some other discussions, but I'm still going to have the manager share with you. So you hear it direct from them. That forces the hiring manager to really engage more at a personal level rather than just a piece of paper posting. And it lets the candidate kind of really go, ah, that's really what they're looking for. And I've had people over years say, well, you're giving away the answers. No, you're not. They either can, they either have done the work and have the capability or they don't. The, you, you telling them that I'm going to ask you about this skill set doesn't make them have the skill set. And then I ask them to give me, I tell them you're going to spend three or four minutes and tell us your background and experience as it relates to what you just heard. So hiring manager is going to tell you the role. You're going to take three or four minutes and tell us all about how you're fit for that role. What's nice about that is they're not going to tell us about their college experience 20 years ago. They're not going to talk about these skill sets that have nothing to do with the job. I've kind of helped them rather than saying, tell me about yourself, which is like a horrible question. I specifically said, tell us how you're a fit for this job. So now they're all comfortable because they weren't the first one talking. The interviewers were. And then I say, after you get through that, we're going to ask you why you applied to this company, right? Because that's another relaxed, why do you want to work here? And then I say, we're going to go through prepared questions for all the candidates, which helps them realize, oh, I'm not the only one, right? I'm not the only one they're asking these questions. Okay, it's a consistent. I, I got this. And then I let them know at the end of the interview, we're going to turn it over to you to ask any questions you have for us. So they kind of, okay, I'm going to go, you're going to go, I'm going to go, we're going to wrap up. So I've set the stage. And in that three or four minutes, you just see them relax. And I, I say, I encourage you to take notes if you need to. We're going to be, and I joke, we're going to be taking notes on you. So you feel free to take notes. And now you've created a dialogue. And I think probably usually the last thing I say, Gary, is our goal is to make this a conversation in which we get all our questions answered. That's, yep. that's it. So that is a strategy to get your interview team really engaged. And it also will let them know that if your culture is engagement, is collaboration, is communication, you've just proven it, right? You've proven it to an applicant. Even applicants who don't get hired remember that experience. They remember what that company did and how they did it. So that's kind of the part of the training I would encourage to, to answer your question. So did that, that kind of give you a good? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I totally buy into it in this because it's, it's the way we conduct uh, franchise sales, the initial franchise sales, what we'll call an interview call after we've had that, that first call about, you know, they're inquiring about a franchise when we actually get into, you know, the substance of becoming a franchisee, mm -hmm. what we want to do, what I always want to do is I, I, I anticipate that the, the person who's inquiring about the, the franchise company um, 
is thinking that, okay, this guy's going to want to sell me something. So what I've learned over the years, and to your point, it, and it, it's, the same, it's the same psychology, is that if I tell the applicant of the franchise, here's how it's going to work, and it's essentially what you described, they now feel that, or they, they don't feel rather, that they're sitting in a sales pitch, right. which is exactly where we want them to be, because if they feel that, and I guess if a person being interviewed for a job feels that they're in some type of one-off inquisition as you right. mentioned the questions are the same for everyone so in my world if the person is feeling that they're in the middle of a sales pitch they kind of shut down and their guard goes up so they're not really listening they're not listening with the intent to hear they're they're listening with the intent to respond um so we use that technique uh, in sales and it's extremely effective um to kind of round out the conversation what you know what tips what other advice, what are the points, what are the strategies do you feel are key uh, in, for employers and employees uh, in, in, in the current environment, in the current interviewing environment? Yeah, so, so the, the two other points, one has to do with branding and one has to do with further training, but on the topic of COVID. So you wanna make sure uh, that your hiring managers or anybody doing these interviews actually knows and has been trained on what your COVID policies and practices are because most applicants are going to ask you, do I have to be in the office? What do I do if my kid's sick? What do I do if I need time off? What happens when, if I, if, I, if someone in the office were to get sick, like all those things may come up and that that's going to come up whether you're doing a virtual interview with the intent of having someone work on site, which a lot of, a lot of organizations are open or whether it's going to be a remote job, either way, make sure you train your hiring managers and the interview panel on the ability to answer those questions. A good response is not, well, down the line, HR will tell you the answers to those questions. No, that's okay with benefits. That's okay with compensation. But if someone's asking questions about how are you handling COVID? What are your policies? Anyone talking to applicants should be able to be an ambassador and should be able to answer those questions because it's going to raise the confidence and, and trust in that applicant, if they're one of your finalists, you want them to feel like they got good information through the process. On the flip, if you're an applicant, you should be asking those questions just to understand, did the organization take the right steps? Are they proactive? Are they, did they set any policies? Have they changed any of their benefits? Are they doing anything with leave? Or, or you know, uh, do we have the ability to work remotely if possible, if it's normally an on-site and something happens? So, those are all things that they should be thinking about and, and be able to answer those questions for sure. The second piece is, is branding, right? So during this time where the job market is being flooded with candidates or applicants, and there's so many postings out there that are uh, people now are actively trying to get back in the workforce or even employees, make sure you leverage your workforce because most people are now doing social media heavily or more than they did in the past. People are online more than they were in the past. Find ways to leverage your workforce as ambassadors of the company. Teach them how to share posts from your website, share posts from your social media, um, to reach out and talk about job postings or available positions. Because if usually your employees are networking and interacting with similar-minded people, if they're good employees, you have a high likelihood of attracting other similarly-minded people that they're interacting with. And right now, since social media is a major outlet for everybody, make sure from a branding perspective that you teach and help your employees know how to do that. 
Because a lot of people don't. A lot of people would never even realize that maybe my company has a Facebook page or a LinkedIn page for a company and I could go out there and like something or share it or push out a job uh, advertisement. And this is a great time too to embed or build out a referral program for your employees to help you find people because they might have avenues and channels that they can go to that you might just not have the ability or resources to get to now because you're stuck in a remote situation. So I think branding and that training on the COVID topic is really key. Um, but we've covered a lot of great things to consider and strategies that companies need to think about, both on the employer side and, and candidates to really just navigate this well and stay on the right path and know that it, it can be done effectively. Uh, and there's just some really good things to focus on if you want to be successful during the process. Great, great. And anything else you'd like to offer on the topic before we wrap up? No, I, I just think, uh, as you mentioned, if people are, are listening to this and find that they have additional questions or want some further clarification, they can always reach out. Happy to talk about it. I've put, um, uh, there's been several webinars that we've done on returning to the workplace on COVID, which is a prior topic. Uh, did one on hiring practices, this type of topic as well. Uh, communication in the workplace. So if, if, if an organization is looking for ways to really consider these things more effectively, even if it's the DNI topic, if they're getting pressured right now about hiring a diverse population, happy to talk to them about what that really means and how to do that effectively without tipping the scale in the wrong direction, going completely one way and neglecting the fact that what they were doing before wasn't necessarily not aligned with DNI, but there's ways to do that really strategically to improve just their workforce representation if they're trying to do that. But always available. It's always a pleasure uh, talking with you and, and sharing this guidance. I think it's very applicable to this time period of what we're, we're facing. But some of these strategies are also applicable anytime about training, reviewing your roles, and, and engaging your applicants. So thank yeah. you. No, really and, great. And, and clearly, clearly a lot of what you said uh, applies regardless covid COVID or not. Right. How, uh, what's the simplest way to get in touch with you, keeping in mind that we'll always post it on the, on the actual post, we'll, we'll, we'll write it out, but what's the best way to reach you? So uh, my email address is warren, W-A-R-R-E-N, at symbionthr.net. Uh, the website, symbionthr.net, has links and forms to contact, and I've got a toll-free number. It's 888-343-7340. So any of those will get to me or my team, and we're happy to talk to anybody and help them navigate these challenges. Great, great. Listen, insightful, important, terrific information. Can't wait to share this with uh, a lot of other folks. Um, I want to thank you again for taking the time to, to be with us. Um, certainly, we'll check back with you maybe, you know, in the next couple of months and see as the, as the world turns, I'm going to date myself. It was a soap opera years ago, as the world turns. So uh, as the world turns, uh, we'll get back with you and we'll see what other insights you can provide because I'm sure this isn't something that is going to uh, end or, or just kind of melt away in the next weeks and months. I think, we've got, I think we've got a road ahead of us and it's great to have someone like, like yourself guiding us through the, uh, the employer-employee process. Thanks a Absolutely. lot. I appreciate Always a pleasure. It. Yep. Thank you for your time. All righty. Be well. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.